Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Told podcast. In this episode, we interview Reagan, who grew up in church his whole life. In fact, his grandfather was a missionary in Africa, and his dad lived like the first 20 years as a, in Africa. So Reagan grew up in church, and he had to deal with what he says is the pressures of trying to be, um, kind of be in picture perfect, you know, because he's the oldest grandchild, and he was supposed to be the example. It's amazing when you hear a 20-year-old's testimony. You know, it's a young person, and so I hope that this blesses you. And I would like to read Psalm 51.10, where it reads, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You'll see that in Reagan's story, it's not about performance, it's not about perfection. It's about seeking the Lord, and He does the work. He will create in, a, in us a pure heart. where You don't have to compete and act like you're somebody you're not. And as Reagan says, life in Christ is so much better than anything you could ever try or do. So thank you for listening to Truth Be Told Podcast. God bless. Man, that is what the generation needs. They need boldness. Praise the Lord for my man Reagan coming on and being bold. Well, since we're stopping, let me make sure this wasn't... Okay, phone number I don't recognize. Not important. So anyway, before we were really interrupted... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, seriously, though, it's uh, something that's needed. I believe as people... Of your generation. How old are you, Reagan? 20. It's time to get bold for the Lord. Oh, I agree. <laughs> you know, time to speak the truth about what it's like growing up, uh, you know, experiencing the world as, as a young 20-year-old, what you go through in high school, yeah. you know, all the different feelings and emotions you go through. Be real about it. Yeah. Because it ultimately... It's very sugar-coated nowadays. It's yeah. Like people are trying not to hurt anybody's feelings. Mm -hmm. But one, one thing I was taught at, a, like, a Bible camp once, it, we were... We were taught how to save someone's life from a from a gunshot wound which i thought of it this way it was like they said like you got to stuff like these rags in their wound and all that and they're gonna be screaming and trying to stop you but your goal isn't to make their pain go away it's to save their life that's right and i was like i was thinking about that a little bit it's good with my faith because i went through a lot of pain but in the end it's like it's what saves my life amen sometimes you got to learn that's right <laughs> That's right. He'll, he'll be with you through that pain. Mm -hmm. Now, say your name for us. Where are you from? I'm Reagan, uh, Roy, and I'm from Alton. I've been there my whole life, ever since I was like one years old or something yeah. like that. And uh, mm. yeah, you got an interesting family history, though. Oh so yeah. Your grandpa didn't grow up in Alton. Your dad didn't grow up in Alton. Mm -mm. My uh, grandpa actually. He was a missionary along with my grandmother, and then my dad was also born in that time. They were in Africa for, I don't remember how long, but I think it was in the 20s uh, amount of years. Yeah. Maybe, I want to say 27, but I'm not sure if that's true. So I'll just say they were there for a long time. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, right. And yeah, my dad was born over there. He spent most of his life there. Like I think it was till he was like 17. They had to leave because of there was like a rebel war going on. Mm. It was a lot of stuff, but they got endless stories. It's insane. Yeah. So you grew up in a church family, is that right to say? 
Kind of, yeah. I mean, it felt like it was family. It was all I ever knew. My my grandpa was the pastor, and <clears throat> my mom was the worship leader. My dad was the drummer, and I was pretty much at church a lot of times more than I was at home, actually. Wow. And, yeah, it was kind of like all I ever knew from my childhood. It was always at church. All the elders in the church, they were like who I had to like look up to. I was also the oldest kid running around, mm. unless you count like the older youth group people who I never got the chance to really talk to. Yeah. But it, I was always looked at as like one of the older ones, one of the more, uh, what would you say, I was supposed to be the one people are supposed to look to. The example. The example, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. You're the good kid, be like yeah. Reagan. I would, that that's who who what was drilled into my head to be, but yeah, and in, in the end that kind of felt like it was more of a face I was putting on, mm. more because I was like I was kind of scared to be otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's a role it's expected of you, mm-hmm. so you have to feel like you have to be. Now you so you heard the gospel at a young age. Mm-hmm. You heard about Jesus, heard oh, some yeah. of the Bible stories. We used to have this thing called uh, what was it called? It was JBQ Junior Bible Quiz. We would like, it was like a trivia type thing. We had these buzzers and we'd verse other teams from other churches. And there was like different age groups, but it was all these different questions formed from the Bible and we had to learn as much as we could. There was a time I was like, I was on a team with one other person and like we, we even got like first place. So it's like that shows how much they like drilled it yeah. into our heads. I, I knew a good bit. I, I wish I remembered more, but it definitely comes back to help me a lot in these current times. Okay. So a lot of things that you learned back then might have not, like you didn't know Jesus like you know now, right? Oh, no. I mean, like, I knew the story about Jesus. I, I knew almost everything. Like, I thought I knew about everything there was to know about Jesus. And, like, I mean, I felt like I had a pretty good relationship with him. I I prayed to him all the time. Like, I, I would always talk to him on my own, like, when I was in my room going to bed at night or just doing anything I, I would pray to him but like I didn't quite understand what I was doing yeah I just like I knew it was something I was supposed to do and I I always knew he could hear me but I mean like it's kind of weird I didn't understand why I could never hear him back but I heard stories of other people hearing his voice and stuff like that I would pray to him that, that he would speak back to me but later on learning like there's various ways he can speak to oh, you. oh yeah absolutely so you're growing up in a house that like I say, you just spent a lot of time at church. What was some of your earliest struggles? I mean, I know a little bit. Um, I had a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even quite know where to start. I, Ever since I was a kid, I felt like I had a lot of problems. And I don't really know where it all started, really. It was like, I, I guess there was just a lot of curiosity brewing in my head and a lot of, like, not knowing what to do with it. Also, growing up in church, felt like I had to hide a lot of things mm. because I was supposed to be the example. And I didn't feel like I was very good at it, for one. But yeah. I'm not quite sure. I mean, it's, I think it started off a lot with fear because it was fear of not being good enough. Mm-hmm. There, there was actually this time also when I was like four years old and I was just playing in my front yard. My mom was out gardening. And I was kicking this ball, like one of those big ones you see at Walmart in those cages. Yeah. And I like kicked it down the yard into the backyard. 
and I like went down to go find it. We had these like trees and bushes all growing down there. You couldn't see what was going on from upstairs, like up in the yard. Yeah. And I went to go find it, and I actually like came across a dead body while I was down there. Oh my. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Apparently, a guy overdosed in our backyard. Well, overdosed, wandered his way there, yeah. and died, or something like that. And I feel like at a young age, like to learn, like to see that you don't really know what to do with something like that. And I mean, I I I don't really know, but I feel like that's where a lot of my problems started because it's like it it started getting me thinking a lot and it brought a lot of fear into my life yeah face I, to face with i mean you're not at a funeral home you're, i might have been a as dead far body. away from it as i am from you right now wow and wow then, it was like it, it definitely brought a lot of fear in my life like i probably didn't and not not being just afraid of that but i mean i, I had trouble sleeping at night for like years like probably till i was like 10 or 12 or something like that mm -hmm. till I like really stopped being afraid like I used to see things at night and hear things and I'm I, I like learn more about it now and I'm not sure if I was like having what do you call it what are what are those things where you're like sleeping and you it feels like it's real but it's night not. terrors kind of like that it was like there's a word for it but I can't think of it but I've heard night terrors it's kind of like that where you feel like it's sleep real. paralysis. Oh, yeah, I was thinking of something like that because like you couldn't move. Yeah, I mean, like I couldn't quite tell because, like, at at the time, I just thought I was just too afraid to move. But I, I after knowing what I know now and done a lot of research on it, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what was going on because I'd be like in my bed, I felt like I was frozen, like could not move, couldn't even move my head. Sometimes I didn't feel like I could close my eyes when I wanted to. It was like I've had that happen to me before. It's crazy. Man. Yeah, well, I was laying next to a man, and I couldn't. I couldn't even like. I felt like I was dying or something. I couldn't. I couldn't move. I was like, yeah, awake but frozen. Sometimes I would wake up feeling like I couldn't breathe or anything yeah. like that too. And I would feel like there's just like a lot of darkness around me. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. They say I look. I shrink in when I sit on it without this pillow under it. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, you want to call me little too? Jump up. What was the other thing you're calling me little and something else? Tiny. Tiny something. Short. Ugh, okay. <laughs> All right. Man, I'm still thinking about this. Okay, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so again, you experienced. I mean, most kids. Like I remember the first funeral. I believe we took Piper and David to, and we were like questioning even being 10 and going to a funeral home and seeing somebody. Mm. But it's a reality that you got to come face to face with, but you encountered it in your backyard at four years old by yourself. Yeah. And like the whole day was pretty crazy after that too. Mm. I, I don't even, I can't even quite remember what it was exactly like. I just know it was a lot of chaos. Yeah. And I got uh, sent to my grandparents' house. I felt safer there, mm -hmm. especially like, I mean, I got sent there a lot. I mean, I I think I chose to go there a lot too because I I genuinely did feel safer there. Yeah. Growing up, even I think there might have there might have been something wrong with that house. And I'm not. Is it the, the only same house you live in that. now? 
No, no, not anymore. I, I love my new house so much okay. more. But <laughs> you live in a house in Alton. That, yeah, that was, right it, down the street, actually. It wasn't Alton. Yeah. Alton's considered, right, one of the most haunted one places? One of the most haunted places. <laughs> it's either in America or on Earth, but I don't really know. Well, probably both. Maybe. <laughs> no. All right, and I remember you saying at some point, anger started really dwelling up inside you at a young age as well. Yeah, I, I had a lot of anger because, like, I mean, a lot of it stemmed from myself. Because, like, I mean, I just felt like I felt a lot of ways that wasn't, like, wasn't normal. And I felt like I was supposed to be doing a bunch of things, holding up to a bunch of expectations, and I didn't feel like I was able to do it. And it's like, I always felt like there was a, a, a nice part of me, but it was like there was so much, like, confusion in my head, and then there was, like, a lot of, like, pent-up stuff that I was, like, bottling up because I really didn't know how to eat. I didn't know how to give it to Jesus yet. Yeah. I just, like, I, I knew, like, what everybody said, but it just didn't really feel didn't like click. that was right. I, like, it just didn't get it yet. And I would, like, I would take it out on my brothers a lot even. And there there was a lot of anger in my house growing up. I mean, like, it wasn't, it always felt like it was, like, picture perfect on the outside. Everybody yeah. sees it. We're, we're a great family and everything. But, like, I mean, being inside of it, it was, a, I mean... For a while, it was pretty broken. I know the answer, but how many brothers do you have? I have two. Okay, and what are their ages uh, compared to you? Well, my brother, Ross, he, he's the youngest. He's 13. And then Ryland, he's 18. Okay. So, there's like my Ryland, he's like a year and 11 months younger than me. And then I don't remember the exact of how young Ross is, but yeah. I'm 20 and he's 13. So, yeah. About so you let 14. out some of the anger out on him and you kind of, or the, the brothers you said? Mostly, mostly Ryland because, I mean, um, like, I mean, well, brothers fight for one. Sure, <laughs> he yeah. would always be picking on me a little bit. Like, like he would always be annoying me, mm -hmm. like, is what I would always say. And, like, he would always try to, like, just get under my skin because he knew how to. And he had fun with it. You could tell he did. Yeah, oh, yeah. But... His way of like annoying me was just like doing little things, and then I'd like full on just swing on him. Mm -hmm. I had I had yeah, that anger, and you're just gonna mm -hmm. let it out on him. How old mm -hmm. were you at these times? Uh, it was throughout a while. I mean, it wasn't like an everyday thing, but sometimes it felt like it was. I mean, I was in trouble all the time, so that's how I remember that. But like, how old do you remember this kind of going like, starting? Maybe like six to I don't know, ten maybe. Yeah. Maybe even younger. I don't know. <laughs> so from 6 to 10, you remember lots of anger, um, fighting with your brothers, mm -hmm. and you thought that maybe the outlet for your anger might be through a little bit of beating on them a little bit. A little bit. Okay. I mean, I also had, like, a big problem with lying and all that as well growing up, and mm -hmm. so it's like I, I had a lot of uh, anger from that as well. It was because I was like, I was always pretending to be this person that I wasn't, and I knew that, and I felt like I couldn't let anybody else know. I felt like I was keeping up with so many stories at once that everything had to be perfect, but I felt like I was cracking all the time, and that was just so much pressure. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of pressure from other people, but I feel like a lot of it was put on myself, like by, by me. Because mm. it was like, I mean, I, I didn't have to do a lot of things that I did. I didn't have to make a lot of choices that I did. But I did it, and then it's like, 
I didn't feel like I could be honest about it because I felt so bad about it. I didn't want it to be me. Yeah. But it's like it was me, and I had to accept that. And it, it's like I really couldn't at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, you got the expectations that you're supposed to be that picture perfect family. Your, you know, dad, your grand grandpa's pastor and parents' worship team, and you got to hold up to that image. Yeah. So. Going into high school age, you know, teenage years, that kind of thing, um, things didn't necessarily get better. No, not really. I mean, I would think throughout middle school, I felt like I was doing a little bit better with it. I was starting to understand things a little more, but I feel like I'm more just blocked off a lot of the stuff from before. And just like all the way up to high school, I was like, I felt like I was doing pretty good. I felt like I was an all right Christian. I still talked to God. I still believed in him. Okay. But in the high school, it was like... Even for a good bit of high school, it was pretty all right. I mean, it was never perfect. I was still, I always still felt like I was, I think I still was lying for a good portion of it as well. Like, and that was a big part of my life, really, was mm-hmm. lying. And that made a lot of issues for me. Yeah. <laughs> lying was, it never helped anything. Do you remember any kind of stuff you would lie about? Uh, it's time to come clean. Hurt. Tell the truth. <laughs> Lay uh, it all out. I would break things and I would blame it on other people, mostly my brother, but sometimes my cousins. I even actually I remember one time that there was this light bulb out in the front of our church and it was like shining up on the flag and all that. And I don't know what it was. It was just a destructive behavior in me, but I was like breaking things. So I would like throw rocks at it and I'd bust it. And like one time I like, I think it was my dad came in to talk to me. I was younger at this time. I wasn't in high school or anything like that. I would think I was still a kid, but uh, he came in to talk to me about it, and I just lied straight to my teeth and through my teeth and told him it was my, bro- uh, Your my brother. brother. Yeah. Oh god. And I remember that they actually ended up believing me at one point too. I think, and I remember hearing him like get spanked in the other oh, room. I, I grew like after growing up and thinking about that again, I just felt so bad. <laughs> Does he know now that, that is... I'm pretty sure I talked to him about it at one point. I don't even know if he remembers it, but, <laughs> but you do. I remember. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, gosh it was dang. it was that was bad. <laughs> that was so yeah. bad. Okay. But it was like I, I thought about myself a lot. I didn't really think about a lot of other people at the time. I just didn't didn't want to get in trouble, didn't want to own up to who I was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I felt like I was a lot of things that I didn't understand. Well, you started a. I want to hear about again your high school, kind of the stuff you oh, shared right, at the youth right. rally. You know, you things you started getting into because you're trying to find yourself, I and mean, we all are. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know the high school experience. Well, or when you started getting involved with other other things. Well, I went to a Christian high school, the private school. And it was like my parents never sent me to a public school except for like first and second grade. Yeah. And it was all in order to like uh, keep me away from things like just, you know, the normal school experience mm-hmm. that everybody gets. Yeah. But in even in our, in our high school, it was pretty much like, I mean, I don't think it was as bad as a normal public school, but it felt like it, if like through the way I was looking at it, it was like there was a lot of the same things there. There was people cursing there was people doing drugs there was just people doing whatever they wanted let me tell you something and i don't care that it's a school here in alton marquette when i coached basketball against them that was the worst 
the worst. It's a Marquette Christian Catholic school, yeah, yeah. right? They were the worst fan section. I mean, <laughs> I, my, my, my players would come back and they'd be saying that this fan section is cussing them out. They're saying derogatory things to them. Mm. And it was the worst. So just because it has the private school label or a Christian school. Yeah, it really doesn't make too much of a difference. It really doesn't. It's, it's just the kids get, that go there. And yeah. a lot of them get forced to go there. Yeah. It's like their parents just want them to go to a better place. A lot of them were foreign exchange students, and that was their way into America for the time, yeah. and to play sports or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think it was—I don't think it was till eleventh grade that I started like messing with stuff. I always told myself I was never gonna do a lot, like I was never gonna vape or smoke or do anything like that. Never—I even said I was never gonna drink or anything like yeah. that. Even though I knew like once you're twenty-one. It's technically just, fine but I was like I'm never gonna do that it's yeah fine. I'm not gonna do that and I don't even remember it was like somewhere maybe first second semester and I started hanging out with these guys that I remember from the last semester and it was like always a group of kids that I wanted to be a part of mm -hmm. I thought they were pretty cool they were funny yeah and it was it was like through one friend he was a really good guy. I mean, like he was the reason I had someone to hang out with for the for a big portion of it. I didn't really feel like I could hang out with very many other people. They just didn't really fit in with me or I didn't fit in with them, whatever it was. And he just kind of accepted me and we just got to joke around during class. Nothing major or anything like that, but one thing about them is they like they all vaped. Mm -hmm. And I knew that probably not right away but I, eventually I knew it and it's like it didn't really matter to me I was like that's cool all you guys can do that that's fine and at some point I don't even think it was because of them but it was like hanging out with some other people actually from church yeah and I, I started vaping like they got me to try it once I don't even it had no, like no nicotine in it and I was like that's gonna make it it'll be fine because mm -hmm. of that and at some point I just tried one because I wanted to try it and after that, I was like, "Whoa, I see the difference." And I'll like, "What's the deal with vaping, man? Never done it. Don't see the point." I mean, it's but just like it gives you a little head rush, a little buzz. Doesn't even last that long. So many students. I mean, I was talking with a dad yesterday, just about his son's like seventeen, addicted to vape, and like, yeah. he's addicted to vaping, and it's hard. To, and they're like, it's like a struggle, oh, because man. It, it they're trying struggle. to keep him from it, but it's like making him angry and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. What is, what's the deal with that, man? Well, I mean, for me, it was like, it started off as like, I just like the flavor, all that. It felt like it could take the edge off a little bit. Okay. I'd be like, in between classes, we'd just like, go run to the bathroom real quick and we'll hit the vape. And it was like, it just kind of helped calm the nerves a little bit. You probably then, look forward to that too. It's like, oh like, yeah. Like, we'll hang like, out. We're going to go get, little, get a little quick. buzz on. And it just like, it felt cool even. Like, it just felt yeah. cool. You could like make, little, do little tricks with the smoke and all that. It's like stupid but <laughs> you know they put like uh smoke detectors in the school bathrooms now to try to like do they yeah there's money in that now we used to uh lift the ceiling panel and blow it up there <laughs> Gosh. there's always a way you know there, yeah there's always a way and if, uh, if anybody was gonna figure it out it was be me it was gonna be me yeah i was pretty creative with it there was also these tunnels in our school that were like we were in a old like catholic church building it was kind of like pretty cool looking wow uh, nobody was allowed down there. They were all locked. But there was like this boiler room that the top half of it stuck out because it was one big room. So like half of it was underground and the other half was sticking out. I'd open the window. I'd climb in it and then I'd go let them in from inside. 
and we could all hang out down there or like the attics. Hang out, hang down there and vape. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it started off as vaping and eventually, I don't even remember when it was, but they were all hitting off this dab pen. It was a a cart, which is uh, marijuana. And do they look the same as a vape? No. I mean, I've not run into one that does. They make ones now. That look kind of like jewels. I don't know if you know what a jewel looks like. It kind of looks like a USB, but longer. Yeah. And like these ones were like little cylinders though, and they're like long. They oh, call okay. them a pen because it looks like a pen. Yeah. And they were all hitting off one of these, and I was like, I might try that. That was like that. That looks kind of. Is that the first time you've done THC? That was the first time. I like I I asked them a bunch of questions beforehand because I was just like. I always got to analyze everything beforehand. I'm an overthinker. Yeah. Always have been my whole life. And eventually I was like, well, it doesn't seem that bad. And apparently you can't get addicted to it. At least they say. I mean, yeah. nobody says you'll get addicted to no, it. Almost yeah. everybody kind of seems like they're addicted to it's it. It's not like it's heroin or crack or anything. Right. It doesn't have any, like, physical defects or yeah. symptoms or I don't know yeah. what to call it. but. So you did it and you didn't get addicted. Uh, yeah, kind of something like that. Maybe you don't get physical addictions, but you get like mental addictions. Don't and, I, I tell me what the attraction was to the THC because I remember you saying something about it helped you with your thinking at the beginning. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, as I said, I'm an overthinker my whole life and that's like, I'm always have my thoughts running a thousand miles an hour. I'm always more of a, a wild kid. I'm like just doing whatever. And also, as I said, like I had a lot of guilt and shame growing up. A lot, a lot of anger. I was doing better with my anger around this time, but I still had a lot of guilt and shame because I didn't know how to yeah. deal with all that stuff. My past still weighed on me. I didn't give it to God yet. I was just holding on to it. And it was always this piece of me that I felt like I couldn't let anybody know. Had a lot of problems with guilt and shame growing up and a lot of these thoughts that I couldn't control and still had problems sleeping at night quite often. Mm-hmm. There'd be days when I felt like I couldn't sleep back to back days and it was just like always thinking, always yeah. thinking, can never stop. And first time I smoked weed or well, it, was, it wasn't even smoking weed yet. It was through a dab pen, which is just concentrated THC in an oil form. Okay. And it just all went quiet and it's like I just felt like I was in paradise wow I, I just it didn't feel like it was too much of a different kind of me but I just felt so light my body even it just felt light and I felt heavy all the time because of all this stuff that was weighing on me and it's like my thoughts just slowed down I could just focus on what's in front of me and not what's inside yeah and it's like I could just look at something and think of something happy about it I could go outside and I could look at the grass and just stare at it. (laughs) Mm. And it's like, I didn't have to use my brain anymore, which was always weighing me down. And it's like, here's another thing I actually didn't mention, but I feel like this could actually help a lot of people. But like all growing up, like since I was like maybe eight years old, maybe till I was like 16, which is when I started vaping and smoking weed, I actually had a pretty bad porn addiction. And that was a really rough one because I didn't want to tell anybody about that. Yeah, I still don't like telling people about that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I believe that the truth is going to set some people free. And Amen. There's a book called Every Man's Battle, and it was written for a reason, you know, because of how it affects so many men. Mm-hmm. And uh, the enemy uses that 
sexual morality against us because it does unlock you in shame, It'll make you oh, yeah. angry, can ruin relationships. <laughs> uh, got my little kitten running around. She's cute. Yeah. Uh, but and so you're you're carrying that weight, and you're saying that smoking THC kind of takes your mind off all of it. All of it. And it, Dang, it's I can like, see how that could that could be attractive. Mm-hmm. It's like I even, I even got caught for that multiple times, and it was like it just never really quit it. But I always wanted to. I felt really shameful about that. That was a bad one. And. It was like it was never worth it by any means and I hated every second of it. And then eventually like I started smoking this weed and it was like I can get my mind off these things for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was kinda like I traded an addiction for an addiction. Yeah. And so it's like I'm I'm not gonna do this anymore, even though it's been a struggle with with me like forever now. It's like I can just I can finally stop that because I got something better to do now. Yeah. And you're talking about watching watching porn and stuff, so mm-hmm. you stopped doing that and started smoking. Yeah. And did you feel, you know, again, growing up in that Christian home, I mean, there had to have been some a lot of guilt there for. Yeah, there was there was a lot of guilt with it. I mean, even with uh, smoking weed, there was a good bit of guilt with that at first too. But it actually, like, eventually, I just stopped caring. Yeah. And I feel like that's a big thing that weed does. Is it like? It takes this part of you that used to care about a lot of other things, and it just dulls it. Yeah. It, you stop caring so much about other things. Like, you can have all these goals, and next thing you know, like, it's not right away, but it's over time. You just, like, start being okay with the bare minimum. And it's yeah. like, you just you just want to do what you have to do, and then other than that, you just want to do what you want to do. Mm. And... I mean, I was already in a place of struggling of doing what I wanted to do all the time. And that was just another thing I had to lie about as well because it's not like my parents are going to be okay with that. <laughs> it was yeah. like, I never wanted to tell them. I hid it for the longest time, and I was pretty good at it. At least I think I was. <laughs> yeah. I'll find out. I'll ask. Yeah, yeah. You go ahead. I mean, I've talked with them. <laughs> yeah, I want to know. Yeah. But you can like, I mean, I had bad allergies for a while. I would blame it on my allergies for a good bit. Yeah. And, I mean, that only worked for so long. And it was like only... A matter of time before I actually smoking started smoking actual weed, because I, I liked that a little more. It didn't hurt my lungs as much, and it just felt more natural. So I was like, I'm gonna do this instead. It was also cheaper, and mm. I could make it last longer. And so I was like, I'm gonna do that. And did, is that the only? At this point, you're you're saying that you vaped, uh, just tobacco, right? Nicotine type stuff, and then you went yeah. to dab pen you're feeling the high it's lifting the um, some of the just making you more content when you probably shouldn't be right yeah. just masking it that kind of stuff did you start drinking at a certain age you mentioned um, did you ever drink yeah no i actually <laughs> no i definitely did but yeah it was like a, i think it started off with just a curiosity i was like nobody was around me to pressure me into doing it i was just curious like my parents actually they went to this restaurant it was like a lebanese restaurant and they got a bottle of wine like they didn't get it but they were like gifted it by the people there because they like complimented the chef or something like that Mm -hmm. and he was thankful so they gave it to them and they're like we're just gonna get rid of this but they wanted to accept it because it was respectful sure yeah and 
they kind of, I guess they just put it away and forgot about it for a long time. And I found it when I was looking, I think it was looking for my phone because they, I was grounded from it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I found it in my dad's dresser and it was like, what is that doing there? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. But three months later, it's still there. And I was like, at least I think it was three months, but I'm not sure. And when you're high, time kind of yeah. is different. But I was like, they probably forgot about this. <laughs> so I, I took it away. And I put it and I hid it somewhere else. And it was like, I don't even think it was that long, but eventually I was like, they, they would have noticed by now if it was gone. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to try this out. You've never drank before at this point? Mm-mm. Not even a sip. Your first time drinking was you took a bottle of wine from your parents. (laughs) Oh, God. I got a little bit of a story with it, too, because I didn't know how alcohol worked. Especially wine. Yeah. How much did you drink? (laughs) I'm very curious. (laughs) So it was like only an hour went by, and I think I drank the whole thing. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And Oh, my gosh. I don't even remember actually getting sick or anything. But I was just having like the time of my life. Yeah, I was like, I was blasting tell music me, in my house. Nobody please was tell home. me someone came and saw you. Then so my friend came over for okay. a little bit. Okay. And he, I think he had a sip of it, but he was like, "Man, eh, that's fine." Yeah. Uh, and I was like, "We should hang out, man. Let's hang out. Let's go do something." <laughs> and I'm just dancing around the house, blasting music. Nobody else is home. I'm just having fun. And Jeez. we're like, "Let's go to McDonald's." And we didn't go to the one that was close to my house either. We wanted to go down by the river road, so we mm-hmm. rode bikes all the way down there. Oh, my goodness. Riding bikes down the, down the sidewalk. And I like, we got to McDonald's, and I, I just remember I like, took a nap on the, on the booth. <laughs> you passed out on the booth? Yeah, for a little bit. I don't think it was super long because my friend was there with me. He was like, I don't want to stay here. What, did you eat and just get tired? I guess so. <laughs> I was like, I just didn't feel like it. I was like, oh, my goodness. Matter. <laughs> that's crazy and we we ended up riding bikes back and by this time i'm getting wobbly i'm like riding my bike like this yeah I eventually had to walk my bike and i think that's the most i can remember of that day just normal day after that kind of as normal as it gets my 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 went to sleep and then you had you know drank a few times after that i guess um not very often it was like some I definitely wanted to do it again because I thought it was a lot of fun the first time. And I would like get, I don't, I don't think it was till. Oh my gosh. So jump up there. That was, that was. Oh no. Probably. This is not a cat video. Keep in going. 11th grade still. <laughs> yeah. And I, I eventually, I dropped out before my second semester, like during winter break. I just didn't go back. And I would always tell my mom all the time I was going to, I was going to drop out. I'm like, I hate it here. Mm. And I mean. There was a lot of things about it that did suck there. I mean, like the teachers, they 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 were nice people, but like they weren't the best teachers all the time, and I didn't feel like trying hard enough to really make it work. And I was lagging behind in a lot of classes. There was a lot of things I found that were too hard that people didn't really want to help me with or couldn't help me with. Yeah. And with all smoking weed and all that, I'm like, I just didn't even feel like trying that much. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I didn't even plan on going to college in the future. So I'm like, there's really no point in me doing this. And so eventually, like, my mom learned about this uh, GED school from one of my older teachers who was one of the best teachers I ever had. And he was, like, kind of working at this school for a little bit. And it was through Lewis and Clark. It was called Youth Build. It was actually really great. Mm -hmm. He got paid, like, $100 a week just to go. It was, like... 25 a day you only have four days of school two of them were wow. uh, two of them were like 
you had the option between an IT class and a shop class. I did the shop class, and I loved it there. It was like it was awesome. And the thing about that place was like, well, I did eventually go start going there. Uh, it was like they actually cared. You, it was a smaller class, and that was everybody that was there, and it just felt like you were one big family, kind of. And like everybody knew each other. It was literally just one classroom. Like, I don't even think it was thirty kids. Maybe less, I don't know. But uh You like just, it. Did you graduate then that way? Got my GED, yeah. Your GED. I was yeah. actually the first one in my class to get it too. I got it within like three months and I was out of there. I still know kids who don't have it still. Mm. And I don't know how many years ago that was now. It was like Yeah. Three two years ago, three years ago. I think it was three years ago. Yeah, because I got it once I turned seventeen. Because you couldn't take the test till mm. you turned seventeen. That helped a little while with my weed smoking because you weren't allowed to be high there. If they did, they'd send you home. And if you got caught so many times, they would like they they themselves they said they didn't care too much, but they're like by rules they had to send you home. Sure. And after a certain amount of time, they had to like kick you out, and so that's how it'd be. So I was like, I'm not gonna mess that up. I think one time I did smoke weed when I was there, but I mean, nobody noticed, and I was like, I didn't do it again. Mm-hmm. So. One thing is though they they allowed you to have smoke breaks in the in the alley that was off campus, like it was right outside of the campus. It's like illegal for you to do that anyway. Yeah, it's it like, like twenty one in Illinois. There were some of us like who were old enough to do it, and then others in there like uh, by law they had to like allow it or something like that. Yeah, but isn't it twenty? You have to be twenty one to even smoke tobacco. Yeah, you do. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the rules. I don't know how yeah. it works. But I was just like, cool. So like yeah. that became the new thing. And not only that, there was a vape shop right down the street that apparently doesn't ID minors. Mm-hmm. So I would go there all the time after, before school, and I would just get whatever I needed. And I was like, I had a little beard growing, so it's like it kind of worked out. Yeah. I could go there and do whatever. And like people thought I, I, I would go in there and get multiple ones so I could come out and like show all my friends, like, try this new one, try this new one. Mm-hmm. Like, that people thought I was cool for that or something like that. I thought so at least. And it just made it a little more of a challenge to get off that kind of stuff because I still wanted to for a while. And I remember trying like maybe five or six different times trying to quit vaping and I could not do it. <laughs> and Who's doing that? Somebody's trying to interrupt our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that might be my phone. It's your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Reagan. Good job, buddy. Wow. That's all right. Uh, all right. I... Uh, I, I like talking about Jesus. I want to know about, you know, if, if you don't mind, let's get to the point where things started to change for you because things have changed for you. And you're definitely seeing your life on a new direction. You spoke at one of the youth rallies recently, and we saw kids give their life to Jesus. Okay. So what, tell us just a little bit about the right before, you know, things really start to change for you, and then what happened that changed? What, when did you meet him? What happened? Well, that's a that's a pretty good jump. Let me think. Uh, I'll try to like summarize. Uh, at some point, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Did you start taking hallucinogens, hallucinogenic drugs, and stuff like that? That was like, I don't even. I think I might have even. That might have been like starting. Maybe I did it the first time. It was either two or three years ago can't quite remember mm-hmm. and it didn't really affect me all too much 
except for like one. I remember looking at the TV and it kind of like started like shimmering, and I was like, "What'd you take?" That? Mushrooms, mm -hmm. and I don't know how much I did either. But I didn't try it again till like a year later. Yeah, and that was like burst into a whole new world. It was like, oh my gosh, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Honestly, mm -hmm. it was like, which now coming to look at it, it's like the devil comes as an angel of light. Yeah. And he'll do anything to keep you stuck in something. Mm -hmm. He'll make you think it's the best thing ever. He'll start tricking you. And, the, and then mushrooms, like the way those things work, I mean, like it's like you're living in a dream and it literally does feel like you're dreaming while you're awake. Wow. That's the only way you can explain it. Like there's things you think your brain process is way different. And it's like your idea of reality just gets wrecked. It's just completely gone. Mm -hmm. And you just start thinking these things that start like sounding like they make sense in your head. But like if you're a, a sober person like me thinking, looking back at the things I was thinking then and thinking they made sense, I'm like, I was stupid. <laughs> yeah. But that's what started getting me like questioning God. Like that was the first time I started thinking like maybe it's not real. And which I fully believe that was the devil like using that to like trick me and like starting to get me going a different way. And it wasn't till all that that I like I really started partying a lot and hanging out with a lot of bad people. I mean, they were all good people I thought. I mean, like but they're bad influences. Yeah, there you go. But yeah. uh it was like I started researching all these different religions and I was like seeing connections between them all. I was like maybe they're all just the same and it was like maybe I was just born into this and that's the only reason I think that it's true is yeah. because I was like, if I was born into a different religion, maybe I would have thought that was true. Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason that I came back to believing it, like, I mean, I started getting curious about a bunch of things, but it was the stuff I learned in JBQ, the, the thing, like the trivia thing when we were kids, it was like they taught us all this stuff and it was able to still be in my head. And it was like, it was something about the Tower of Babel. I was like thinking, I was like, I was, I was starting to realize a lot of things about the world and how like messed up it is and learning about how messed up our government and like, I was learning about the one world order and all that. Yeah. And I was like, and something came to my head. I don't remember what it was, but I was just thinking, I was like, that sounds kind of like what it was like in Babylon, like the Tower of Babel before they like went against God and it was like all these great nations coming together, working as one. One, yeah. And they were like supposedly one of the greatest nations. Everything was working amazing there. But they were all like, it was, it was really satanic stuff. And it, it was like that question. I like I remember looking up on a pat like on on Spotify, and I found a podcast. It was, and it was talking about exactly that. And I was like, hold on. And I just started listening to it, and it starts putting all this stuff together that I never learned about growing up, mm. but it was still straight from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And it was helping me make the connection between that and today. And it was like, I'm starting to see how the Bible has been completely true all the way back then and all the way to now. And how it's like, I, I looked at it as like, it's a book of time, like, cause it, it, it tells you what's going to happen, but it was written by these people that weren't alive way since like way back when yeah and it's like telling you what's happening now even so in your mind you're starting to make connections between the bible and reality yeah right i love that because it christianity is so satisfying 
because it's a worldview. It's not just a belief. Um, as we've heard on here many times, when you become a Christian, it's not that you believe in Christianity, you are a Christian. Mm -hmm. Meaning you see the world through that word. And yeah. uh, so it sounds like your mind was making connections between the Tower of Babel and how they were uh, trying to reach God. I mean, they were trying to make, you know, a one world religion, basically, and then you're seeing happening today. Yeah. Mm, good. But uh, it didn't it didn't stop there, though. I was like, I was just like, I, I kept learning about it and I was really fascinated by it. But I was also really fascinated by these mushrooms and stuff like that. I actually started reading about a, uh, a book called the mushroom bible and i was learning how to grow them for a little while and throughout this portion of time actually i was also uh i was i was selling weed for a little bit just mm -hmm. not not to just anybody but i was like selling it to a small group of people to like pay for what i wanted like for what i was using and then i was also using it was more of an excuse but it was true to an extent but i was like well for one it was like you're gonna get it from somewhere you know is safe Cause there's all these dangerous people around it. Like yeah. people are getting laced and all that. Like, I mean, like I heard about this person not too long ago, like they just died from smoking weed and there's fentanyl on it. I heard about that. I heard about one today. I was just, I was just thinking that. Yeah. Gotta be careful. It's like, it's everywhere. And like what I, it's people mm. doing exactly what I was doing. They were on the streets just hanging out and then like they get introduced to weed through their school. Next thing you know, they're knocking on this guy's door a couple streets down and they don't know, even know who he is. And it's like, I didn't even know how bad it was until I actually started selling weed that is like, this stuff's literally everywhere. Everybody's selling it. Yeah. And a lot of these people are mixed in with really bad people. Mm. And it was, which I'll say to anybody, which I didn't, I didn't keep doing it for too long. I didn't keep selling it for too long because it was such a huge anxiety all the time. All the time, and I, it's like, I so just, you're saying that you think that it actually brought on anxiety in your life after, yeah, a little bit. I mean, for a while, I felt like weed was helping me with my anxiety, but throughout selling weed and then hanging out with these people who wanted me around because I was selling weed and they, I was looked at as a cool guy because of it. It's like I started mixing in with worse people and I started doing things worse than I normally would do, and it's like I still knew all that, it was yeah. like stuff I wouldn't normally do. And eventually I started like trying these like these like street pills. Mm. They were like they were called what were they called? X pills. And there was, they they told me they were called X pills because it was supposed to be like ecstasy, which is kind of like another form of hallucinogen, but it's supposed to make you feel really happy, like release your dopamine or serotonin and make colors different. But it wasn't that. It really just felt like Adderall to me when I mean like my mom never prescribed me Adderall but I tried a friends before because I was curious about that too and it just felt like concentrate really well but I never wanted to keep doing it because I was like I like it too much and that's dangerous yeah goodness gracious but those x pills I mean like, I did a, a good handful of those until I was like one day I was like I just thought about it for a while I'm like if I don't stop this I'm gonna it's gonna get bad Cause I heard a story of a guy who was also doing, he got to where he was doing like seven a day, like all the time or he'd just get really angry. And I could like, like there was a time I did like, like maybe five of them in one day. And it was like at the end of the day, I could feel my heart racing mm. and I really didn't like that. But it also like gave me a sense of bravery. So I was just like powered through it, but I stopped getting them after that. 
but eventually I was like, well, I wonder what real ecstasy is like. So I was like, because this is not it. This is not what they were telling me it was. Jeez, Reagan. I think it's probably, don't hit the snooze, hit the... It's too late. Oh, okay. <laughs> it might happen again. <laughs> You're interrupting your own podcast interview. Yeah. That's great. The devil doesn't like what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring it all to light. But eventually I, I found this guy who said he knew where to find something. And it was actually on Halloween, believe it or not, the devil's holiday, which makes perfect sense now. But I wasn't thinking about anything like that then. But it was like eventually, like I mean, like I didn't find it out, find out until after I did it. But it was actually like crystal meth. Oh my! And well, like a pill, or did you smoke it? Uh, I crushed it up and I snorted it. <laughs> oh, you snorted it? Yeah. You got six. I don't. I've never heard of meth being a pill. No. Okay. It was like people smoke it, people snort it, or they shoot it. And when I wasn't gonna do either of the other two. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? Like I'm sorry, but it's like. You know, person goes to vape at school, and they get yeah. that's the first experience of being a getting a high and just non non sober feeling. And then yeah. somebody has a dab, like okay, why not? Hey, my dad's got a bottle of wine; he'll never know, you know. Yeah. And it's like it's okay. It's downhill from there. Yeah, it just keeps on going from one high to the next, and then to meth, which I want to hear your story on this. But it's like do. <laughs> I've had friends die from that. Yeah. Because they've done it once and they couldn't get off of it. Get mixed in something bad. Like there's so much. I even know, like, I mean, because I know I've had friends who got hooked on it. I've been around people who have died from it. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't know those people specifically, but I knew the people that knew them. And it's like literally just from being mixed with something that was bad. And it's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. And it's like. So what happened when you're on crystal meth? Uh, well, what was that like? I didn't notice anything. I just felt like I was normal and it wasn't working for a little bit. So I did a good amount of it and I was just talking real fast all night. And this guy that I got it from, I like told him my whole life story. And one night it was like, we just stayed and talked to all night. I was with one of my other friends. He didn't do any, but he was just there hanging out with me, making sure I was okay. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I remember like it became morning and this guy's like, okay, I'm going to sleep. But and I'm like, I go back home. It was really close by. And I'm like, I wake my brother up to start talking to him because I just felt like talking like yeah. a lot. And I'm like talking fast. And I'm like, I wake him up and I start, I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> but he goes back to bed and I was like talking to him for an hour while he was asleep. Wow. And next thing you know, I'm like, I barely slept for like six days. And I barely ate for like six days. I don't remember. It was like one of them was like four and one of them was six, but I don't remember which one it was. From that one night of snorting it or was it, did you keep, have more? I didn't do it the next day, but I did a little bit more the day after that, which. Good. I think it might've, like, I'm not going to say it helped out, but like it came convenient for a certain thing because it also led to me having a conversation with my dad and told him like everything I ever done, Mm -hmm. including that. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, it was like, I don't think I would have done that otherwise, but it made it a lot easier because I was just like, I just wanted to talk and I just had a weird sense of bravery, but it was like, mine just running, running, running. Yeah. And it, it was, it was kind of scary, not right away, but it was like, to the next few days on until the last couple of days, it was like, I, I was looking in the mirror and it just felt like I was looking more lifeless and my skin was like looking whiter and it looked my, like my lips were looking purplish and there was like purplish in my skin. I don't know if it was just because what was in my 
system or if it was like actually there like i couldn't even tell you if it was real or not mm. but it was like i was getting irritable i was getting like a little anxious and i was like once i found out what it was because i had a friend who looked at it and he was like reagan it's not what you think it was he's like that that was meth bro i'm like i'm almost sure that's meth and we like did some research it was and i was like my like i was like oh my gosh that really just happened. I'm like, I've heard all these stories of people that these things happening to people, and I'm like, that just happened to me, and I'm just lucky to be okay, right? Do you ever do it again? No, I never. Hallelujah. I was good. Yeah, no, I praise God that I yeah. never did it again because it was like, it, I can see how it's super addictive. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just insane. I'm like, but I never wanted to do it again either. I'm like, I never really was tempted to do it again. There was a time when I went to a party and I was like, they were all doing like cocaine and they got me to do it like just a little bit. Like I would like put a little bit on my finger Mm -hmm. and it was like instantly when I did that, like I didn't want to do it in the first place, but eventually when I did do it and I was like, I was already like beginning of the party, I was like not going to do this by the end of it. I was drinking a little bit throughout that day, and I was like, you know what, it's fine. Yeah. It was like, just I'm gonna try just a little bit. Yeah. There's no way I'm gonna even feel it. And I almost had a panic attack like instantly. Mm-hmm. And by this time, I was having panic attacks from just smoking weed. I wasn't doing anything else around this time. Uh, well, I was doing mushrooms every now and then, but I didn't see anything wrong with mushrooms right away. But this stuff it was like it just gave me a panic a panic attack, and I just went outside. Like, I left the building, I went outside, and I just started praying, and that was the only thing that could calm me down. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack, and it was like, I just called on the name of Jesus, and that's like, I've always believed in the power of the name of Jesus, because whenever I was a little kid, seeing all those things in my room and not able to sleep at night, that was the only thing that made it stop, Wow! until eventually it did go away, because I knew what what they're scared of, I knew, yeah. I knew the weapons. And it was like, I I would say these Bible verses, like, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. And I'd just be, like, chanting these things in my head. Like, they'll be burned in my memory forever now. But it's like... Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive and active. Amen. And it's like, I, I, I stopped doing all that stuff. And it was like the last time... Not the last time. It was the time before the last time I did mushrooms. Uh, it was like, well, before all that, all the other times, it was like amazing. But this other time, it was like something really like, there was something really wrong about it. And I could tell from the start. And I'm like, I just went to the park with my friend because I'm like, I just like, there's some about me. Like whenever I was doing mushrooms, I just wanted to go adventure and explore everywhere and see all the cool things that I could see. But this time it was a little different. It just felt like I was getting heavier and heavier and heavier instead Mm. of feeling really light like it did at first. And I'm like, I remember climbing this hill and it just felt like I was dragging myself up it. And it just felt like normally I'm seeing all these beautiful colors. And then this time it's more like it felt like the sun was like beating down on me. It was like, it was like, not like it was like just the summit it felt like all these colors were almost attacking me in a yeah. way and i get up 
to this clearing where I'm away from, because there was a lot of people at the park and I just wanted to get away from them. That's why I went up there. And I just lay on my back and I started like laughing like crazy. I couldn't really control it. But it was like, I just felt really anxious until I started looking up at the trees and I felt okay for a little bit. But then my friend, he was like, we got to go. We can't be here anymore. And I was like, I didn't want to leave because I didn't feel safe. And I, I was already thinking in my head, something's not right. And I didn't know what to do. It was like really like freaking me out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I started sweating a lot which I was like, I read somewhere before not too long ago that's like sweating a lot is a sign of being poisoned. So little by little, I'm convincing myself. You start freaking out a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I was trying to keep my cool and tell myself I was wrong for the l longest amount of time. That was like, I'm just overthinking it. I'm just overthinking it. Don't go down the downward, downward spiral or it's going to just all be bad from here. But yeah. I, I hadn't experienced anything like that yet, so I didn't really know what it was going to, what to expect. And it's like we're walking home, which was not even a mile away, I think, maybe a mile. But it's just like the whole time it felt like it was a battle in my head and that it literally felt like I, my soul was like going forward and my body was dragging behind it. It was like I just felt like I'm dragging my body and it doesn't want to go. And I literally all that keeps coming into my head is like I think I took poisonous mushrooms yeah. And I think I might be dying. Mm hmm And I'm just like, my mind is like racing a million miles an hour. And I'm like, is this really it? Like, all this stuff, all this stuff that I knew I shouldn't have been doing from the start, like I knew it. It's like everything led up to this right now. And I think I'm about to die. Mm. And eventually, like, I get home and I just like, I go straight downstairs to my room and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm sweating a lot. I take off my clothes. I'm in my underwear and I'm laying on the concrete floor just feeling like my life is like leaving me. Like every like bit of life I had in me, it just feels like it's going. Wow. And it, it no longer felt like a question. Like it wasn't like, I think I'm about to die. It felt like I am dying. Mm. And it's so real every time I think about it, it's like, mm. Because in the moment, even though it's like, yeah, I was just high, but it's like, there are so many stories of these things, of, of people getting laced with things, even mushrooms. I did yeah. hear about somebody getting laced with fentanyl and mushrooms. Hmm. And they died. And I was thinking about stuff like that. I'm like, oh, by <clears> yourself, <throat> you're all alone too. I had my friend with me, but he had no idea what to do. <laughs> your friend was with you while you were in your underwear? Yeah. <laughs> he was a close friend, so he's okay. <laughs> he was like a brother to me. Yeah, I was just messing with you. But he was also high, and he didn't. He was like freaking out. He's like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, here. probably yeah. And everything in my like, he was telling me I'm okay and all that. I just felt like he was wrong, and I felt like we were both about to die. And I go up to my shower. And I'm trying to like put cold water on me to like like calm down, and it was not working. I'm like, I'm I'm looking at him. And I I told him I'm like, I I told him I'm like, I feel like I'm about to die. And it wasn't like I just feel like I'm about to die. It was like I was telling him, like, because I think I know I'm about to die. Yeah. And I don't even know. Like, I told him to call the paramedics. And by this time, I go downstairs, and I'm, like, just wrapped up in blankets because I don't know what to do. So I'm, like, I just I'm, I feel completely helpless and hopeless. And I'm just laying on my couch covered in these blankets. And I'm, like, it just felt like 
I was watching my entire life flash before my eyes. Exactly what people say before they die. Yeah. And it, I felt like it was going so fast. Like I saw it like a, a million times over from different angles. It felt like I could remember everything all at once. And it was just too much. And it was like, I didn't even do that much. Yeah. It was like, but eventually it like got to this place where it was like all just white. And everything, like all the color left my room. And it was like, I couldn't even tell you if I was awake or not for this part. Like, I'm like, I can't even tell you if I was out of the covers or not. Like, I was like, I might have been under him for this whole time. But I felt like I was like in third person, like in my living room. But it wasn't my living room and there's nothing there. And this didn't feel like, I mean, it's supposed to last like four to six hours, maybe eight hours. And it felt like it was like, it felt like it was going to last forever. And it kind of felt like I was there for a really long time. But you I were in that really timeless space. Yeah. Um, been there. And, it and I've like, heard a lot of stories about it. I was questioning whether, like, after thinking for a little bit, I was like, I thought I was dead. Yeah. I was like, I am dead. You lose track of There's everything. There's nobody here. I'm like, all my family, I can't, I can't go talk to them. I yeah. can't go tell them I'm sorry. I'm like, even though I felt te- like I was really sorry, I felt like crying, but I couldn't cry. And it was like, because I didn't, like, everything, every word I said, it didn't even feel like my mouth was moving anymore. I had no more, like, feeling in my body. It felt like it was just, like, sound leaving my face. Reagan, I got to ask you, was this a wake-up call for you? Yes. (laughs) So the next day, I thought I was going, I thought I was going to hell. Yeah. I thought, part of me thought I was in hell for a little bit. Mm. And... Little by little, it came back to reality, and I was like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. But it took me, like, three days to, like, put my head back together. So we got we to gotta get to Jesus because yeah, we, we need to get to him, we you do. know. Um, he changes things around. He does. And it sounds like you went through a lot, a lot of experimentation, a lot of, you know, some scary situations. Mm-hmm. You know, you're obviously doing things against what your family raised you, so I'm sure that you felt... There's a lot of different things going on in your yeah, heart and your yeah. mind and your experience. So what led you to Christ? Like what, what, what was the time where you felt like, I'm, I'm changing, things are going to be different? So I got invited to go to this conference, which I've been to conferences before. But it was like, I went to this one. And at this time, the only thing I was doing was smoking weed, and this was after all this stuff. Okay. And that was like the one thing I didn't want to stop because I, like, I, I just couldn't let go of it really. Mm-hmm. But this, there was something about this conference. I was like listening to everything they said, and it felt like it was just like it was for me, and like something while I was there is like they said it. I don't even remember what exactly they said, but they said if you're like dealing with these things, come down to the like front and yeah. like just there was a whole bunch of people. We were in a stadium, and there were so many people down there, and it's like we were praying, and then we were like worshiping, and it just felt like everything that I ever did and that I ever worried about and it's like and I did pray for forgiveness but this was like the first time I really felt it yes because it was like I was actually searching this time for a way out and I was like I needed help and I knew it Mm. and it was like I didn't want to live that life because it someday it could actually end up be me actually dying and it will be too late just how I like how I felt it was when I was on those mushrooms yeah but it was like this time it was like I could really feel Jesus's love I could feel the lightness of it. And it wasn't like I'm light because I'm like like smoking weed and it's like I'm feeling high and I'm light. It was like I felt like 
like every weight that I ever had got taken from me. And it's not like I'm just numbing it this time. It's like I'm actually giving it away. And mm. it's like I was finally able to be completely real with myself and accept everything I did do and just give it to him. And I was like, I'm like, I'm really done with this life that I've been living. I really, really don't want to live that life. I really just want to be with Jesus. Amen. I just want to be with him. Nothing like his presence. That feeling was so much better than any high I ever felt. And it was literally just the feeling of being free. Yes. Let me ask you then, uh, for listeners' sake and whatnot, because there is people that have never experienced that closeness with the Lord. Um, can you can you just quickly tell me what your heart posture was when you went down there? I mean, you felt that the Lord was calling you, speaking I to you, pulling at me. <laughs> yes, because you know there's something about surrender. Yeah, right. It's like I realize now that my whole life. Even though I pray to God to take these things from me, I never let them go. And it was like, I finally reached a point where I was willing to let it all go. I was willing to die for this, for, for what I was searching for. Because it was like, it's either this or nothing, or I'm stuck in this life that I hate, that I, that I can't be proud of, yeah. this life that I feel like wants to kill me. <laughs> yeah. But then you and had an encounter. It was... It was then that I was like, it all, it all, I don't know, it's just, he was there when I finally, like, when I needed him the most. And it's like, I thought I was in that place multiple times before, but it's like, this time I could tell the difference. It was like, I was really, I was really letting it go. And it like, it shattered my heart, but not in a bad way. It was like, I just felt free. Yes. Like, like, I was just praising God. I was shouting, I was singing, I was crying, and I was around all these people, which before all growing up, doing something like this, I would never be doing anything like that. My anxiety was too much, and and I was like, I didn't care who saw me, because I was just like, Jesus set me free, and I do actually feel forgiven. Freedom. That's what I think about the joy of the Lord, being free in His presence. I like being, you know, weird for Jesus a little bit. You oh, know, yeah. like, like now I don't. <laughs> I'll be talking to him down the street. I'm like, I'll just be walking down the road. I'm like talking out loud to God. I'm like, I probably look like one of those homeless people that are cracked out. <laughs> yeah, talking to himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now you hang out under tents without shoes on and yeah, yeah. You know, pray for pray with people, pray for people. You oh, know, yeah. worshiping God, just freeing the Lord, being just. Now there's like, hmm. I mean, I crave His presence. I don't want to do yes. anything else but be in it. I don't want to do anything else but go where it is. Yeah. Like that's why I like I want it to be a, my life. I want to I want to I want to help people find this freedom that I've found. Yes. I want to help people find the real love that it is, not just what you learn in church. Come on. Like there's so much more to it than what we've been taught about. It's like there's so much more than just going to church and doing all the right things. It's like and it's so much more than just a feeling. It's like it's real life. Yes. And it's it's more Come real on. than the life I thought I was living the whole time. And like reading the Bible, it's like heaven isn't just like this this place up in the clouds where all these little angels with the diapers and everything <laughs> are just like flying around praising yeah. God. It's like no, there's like a whole other world waiting for us. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus 
He came to bring the kingdom of heaven here. Here, yeah. Through the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be so much better. There's going to be no pain, no suffering, no tears, no death, all joy. Yeah. And I mean, like, I can only imagine that, that, I mean, even in those greatest feelings that I felt being in the presence, I don't feel like it's even, I don't don't think it's going to be even the same as when we're actually there. I feel like it's going to be way greater. Oh, yeah. So what is your um, advice for, uh, let's say, a teenager, freshman through senior year age, you know, just in school? What is your word of encouragement for them because of, you know, they're being tempted and maybe they're, maybe, maybe they're going through uh, whatever they're going through, but they're, they're, they're getting into drugs, they're getting into vape, they're following the crowd, or maybe it's because they think it's going to help them. Maybe it's going to solve their anxiety problem or it's going to solve their intention problem. You know, but they're chasing all these things. Yeah. How, what would you say to somebody? Because, you know, you don't really know the Lord until you experience Him for yourself. Well, a lot, a lot. Once you get into these things, it does feel like it's really hard to get out of it. It does feel like it'll take too much work. It feels like you might not ever make it because you, like, I mean, a lot of these people do these things. I mean, I did these things because I felt like no matter how hard I tried, I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Like all my guilt was being held on by myself, and that's why I did it. And it felt like it could make the guilt go away, but it never did because I always needed more and more and more. And yeah. It never satisfied it. The only thing that satisfied it was God. Mm-hmm. The only thing that satisfied it was Jesus. The only thing that satisfied it was letting go. Praise the Lord. And it wasn't like, I mean, I still had to deal with the things I got myself into because it wasn't like, I wish I could say it was, but that wasn't the last time I smoked weed right then. It was like, it took me a little while to like battle. I, I, like, I, yeah. I say I was like, I was battling demons because mm. it was like, I let these things into my life. And you, I mean, I had to use the word of God. I would feel these temptations. I would get anxiety. I would have like panic attacks. And the only thing that made it go away, it's like, especially temptations. Yeah. You got to start praying and you got to put your trust in God because your strength got you where you are in the first place yeah you got to rely on god completely and that's that's what will set you free and you got to trust in it amen there's a lot of things you don't know about but the thing is is once you finally start trusting in it it's going to start making a lot more sense and just faith find those verses to fight those demons because they're they're not strong enough by any means to even stand a chance against jesus that's right. He's like, you tell them to leave in the name of Jesus. I would talk to them directly at times. Like, I felt like they were in my head, like, just lying to me over and over enough to where it was, like, freaking me out. I'd just be like, leave in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he who is yeah. in the world. Just those verses, those are, like, they, they call the, the Bible the sword of the Spirit for a reason. Because the stuff in there is how you fight in the Spirit. And the yeah. Spirit realm is real. It's here right now. We're, we're not just flesh we're our spirit as well and we can't interact with the spirit world at least visually but these things are around us there's light and there's dark and the dark will try to consume you if you don't have any light to fight back with it so reagan i gotta ask you one last question before we close uh what is the gospel of jesus christ to you Jesus, like I got told this this my whole life, but it it didn't make too much se- like 
actual sense until like really like sometime the end of last year but it's like he was literally the perfect sacrifice like he had to come here and experience all the things that we experience all the temptations he was tempted by the devil himself and he was still able to be perfect enough to pay for all of our sins and he was doing that all out of love not not because he he had to i mean in his head he's like i have to do this i'm sure like but like he he wanted to because he knew it was going to set us free and it's what makes it to where we can actually be with him forever in heaven and the belief in him is really what sets us free that he paid for it all yeah he said uh i lay my life down on my own no one takes it from me no yeah. one can he goes yeah. this command i've gotten from my father so no one can take his life but he laid it down mm -hmm. and i always got told like he was thinking of my name and everybody else's whenever he died on that cross and i believe it so, so how he, does someone inherit eternal life trust and believe in jesus christ amen that he died for us and that he made the way for us to be there and all you got to do is believe in that Mm. All you got to do is trust in Him. Amen. And the rest will fall into place. <laughs> yeah. And it's not an easy road. You become a Christian, you're going to face trials, tribulations, but we now have an advocate. We've got a helper. Yeah. Christ in us, the hope of glory. He helps me every day. Amen. You just talk to Him. Just talk to Him like I'm talking to you right That's now. That's right. And you can be 100% real with Him because He knows your whole life already. There's no point in hiding anything. Hiding anything, yeah. And... The thing is, is he's never condemning you about it. He's not the one making you guilty. A lot of times when I was growing up, I felt so guilty because it was like, it's not who he wants me to be, but really it was like I was the one bringing the guilt on myself and he was the one trying to be like, it's okay. I got a plan for you. You just got to trust me yeah. and we'll work it all out. Mm. And he wants me to feel that joy that I feel now. Yes. He wants me to feel free. He wants all of us to feel free. Praise the Lord. And he wants to he wants us all to be with him. That's right. All of us. And he made the way. So just take it. I mean, there's nothing else you can do. Yeah. There's nothing else. Just receive him. Just receive it. It's well, my gift. friend, it's been a wonderful talk with you and hearing your story and I'm just praying that many young people will hear this and um just draw closer to their to their Lord. Draw closer to Jesus for themselves mm -hmm. and like I said, it's a free gift. You just got to receive him. Yep. The thing about a gift is you don't have to do anything to pay for it. It's like I'm reaching out and handing it to you. All you yeah. got to do is reach out and grab it. That's right. You don't got to deserve it. That's right. Well, would you care to close us in prayer before we get out of here? Yeah, I can. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Better get used to it if you want to start sharing the gospel to young people. Oh, no, that's fine with me. Yeah. I'm all about going outside my comfort zone. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us all here today. Thank you for helping us share our stories. Yes, Lord. Thank you for giving me the boldness to talk about all these things, and I pray that it reaches every single person that needs to hear it, mm. and that they can really feel your presence when they hear it, and that they can know that it is not, not me, but it's you in these yes, words. Lord. It is only you that makes these things possible. God, you're the 
only reason I'm even sitting here today. Mm. You're the only reason any of us are sitting here today. You're the only reason we have hope and strength and peace. There is life Mm. only in you. And you've proven that a thousand times. Yes, Lord. And I don't want nothing else. Just give us all strength to keep chasing you with all of our hearts. And anybody that hears this, he wants you too. Yes. You just got to trust in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now I'll get my hug. I'll give you a hug. All right. My brother. Thank you for sharing. Praise God. We hope you enjoy this episode as we interviewed Reagan. Could you imagine seeing a dead body in your backyard at four years old and then the fear that that would create in someone, not to mention living in one of the hottest, uh, most haunted places in the world? You know, it, it just, I love to hear his story because it seems so real and raw in the fact of, you know, a teenager growing up in our current society where it leads us down these paths of taking drugs and trying to find a high and experience that ultimately leads us into despair. But praise the Lord, because he showed up in Reagan's life at the moment when he needed him. As Psalm 51:10 reads, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. See, today Reagan has made a decision to serve God, to live his life in the experience and relationship with Jesus and sharing that love with young people. So again, we hope that this blessed you. Please help us by sharing this to young people so they can see um, Reagan's story and hear the truthfulness and the rawness of his experience. Because the Lord wants to save every person. Young and old, rich or poor, slave or free, we're all one in Christ. And he wants to save us all, have mercy on every person. So please help us share this. Please help us get this out. Like and follow us so we can get to that wider audience. And thanks again for listening to the Truth Be Told podcast. God bless.